This episode brought to you in collaboration with proudly Muslims of South Africa. For more information, go to www.muslimsofsa.co.za. Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, my name is Ridwan Hassan and you're listening to AccidentalMuslims.com. Assalamu alaikum. Listeners, welcome back to AccidentalMuslims.com. Today we have a special guest, Ridwan Hassan. Uh, Ridwan is a paramedic, am I right? That's good. So, yeah, just con- considering what's happening at the moment, especially in the Western Cape, um, a lot of ambulance attacks, we thought it would be nice to get a profile of paramedic and also Ridwan's background. And, yeah, let, let's get, get into it. Who is Ridwan Hassan? Ridwan, he is a paramedic um, who started his career, uh, matriculated in 2009. Um, 2010, I applied for varsity, wasn't accepted. Um, then I went to, to my level one, level three, uh, first aid, just to get experience in it. And then opted for the level five, which is your basic ambulance assistant course. So that takes about five five weeks uh, to complete. And then I started with volunteering on the ambulances. That's also in my gap year that I took. Um, yeah. Then I applied for that courses. Okay, so so when you go, when you volunteered to be on the ambulance, were you actually physically on the ambulance going around? Yeah, that's correct. So you start off with a third person. So then it's the two, one, the two paramedics that's qualified and then yourself as a third person. So you would observe first, and then as you come more for more shifts, they'll give you more scope um, to uh, take blood pressures of the patient and stuff like that. So what inspired you to, to, to do this? I mean, you could have done anything else. Why, you know, why become a paramedic? Yeah, it was grade 10 when we did our experiential learning, I believe, where, uh, where the school sent you. Um, so first, my first love was IT. Um, from primary school, I was into programming, networking, and then did some job shadowing with them. And then I asked the guy, is this all you do? And then he's like, yeah, that's nine to five in the office. So I was like, no, this is not for me. So then uh, medicine was also my other love. Uh, went with my cousin. That was She's a doctor at Tigerberg. Worked with her. And then um, I was like, also, it's it's fun and all, but you are restricted to one area. And then eventually I went to the ambulance service, uh, met with Estelle Thomas. She's a paramedic and a rescue technician at um, the government ambulance. So she took me one shift. And I believe it's just that one shift. I don't know if it was the red lights and the sirens mm. that got to me. But uh, from that day, I just I came home, told my mother, grandmother was still alive, told her them I want to be a paramedic. They were like, no, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're quiet and whatever. So I believe that's what my passion, that's when my passion started. Yeah. You also mentioned before the in, before we switched on the mic 
about your dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that also was one of the reasons why. Yeah, my father um, had a heart attack. That was a that was just when I finished my basic life support. So then I obviously saw the signs and everything, and then that time you just panic because it's family. Mm. My mother came in. I was playing games. My mother came in. Um, Ridwan, I think your father's having a heart attack. I'm like, don't play now, because now I was thinking they playing because they knew yes. I finished now. Got to my father, saw him, and then I saw, okay, no, this is a heart attack. Um, asked my one friend in the street to go buy a disprin. So I gave him 300 milligrams disprin, phoned the ambulance. Um, they were quite busy at the time. So luckily we stay about 5 to 10 minutes uh, from Tiger Book Hospital. So we rushed him into uh, ASICS, which is the cardiology ward. And then the doctor said there, uh, he's still having a heart attack. They're going to put him in ICU quickly. Started with the treatment, he was in ICU for about a month. And then uh, the uh, initial thing was he had a heart attack and it was 50% damage to his heart. First heart attack, mm-hmm. but the family history... And also because he, he was an ex-smoker. So that all contributed to the heart attack. So you, you, you kind of saved your dad's life. If you put it like yeah. that, yeah. Tell me about the... So after that, you have to, do you have to study to be... Obviously, you have to study to be a paramedic. Yeah, you have to How study. How long is that? Um, you get different courses. You get your national diploma. That's three years. And you, get your, uh, you get your bachelor's degree. That's four years. So for both courses, you must have maths, physical science, and biology. That's the uh, subjects to have. Okay, and so you're still pursuing your degree at the moment? At the moment, I'm still planning to finish my degree. And you get that PhD? Yeah, you get your PhD, your your master's, and your PhD was now recently. We have one lecturer at our varsity, he has his PhD okay, wow. in the field. So only one in like Western Cape? Um, I believe so. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so m- most people thought uh, just an ambulance driver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where the misconception Cape comes. Is, yeah. is. So you have to study, obviously, a couple of years and then... Yeah, you do lots of training, lots of it, mm-hmm. uh, physical training. Um, that's part of your, your studies. So we had it Monday, every Monday and every Thursday, 6 o'clock till 9 o'clock. That was your physical um, training. What are your hours like, you know, being a paramedic? We work 12-hour shifts. So you, depending on where you work, it's normally long weekend, short weekend, or two days, two nights, four days off. So it's 12, um, 12 hours. So you get Say it again, you get four days off. Yeah, so you work four days, and then you get four days off. That's uh, currently the okay, yeah. roster at government. Okay, and so that's government. Do you work from the, the private side? I work on the private side. Um, I'm currently working for year 24 which is a private service in uh, Western Cape. I'm sure, look, I don't want to chat about all the, the incidents that, yeah, yeah. Ha- that happened. It could, could be obviously very gruesome mm. and depressing. Yeah, yeah. And sad as well. But was there any moment where you like really changed the way you see life or see the world? Yeah, like for me, I was in Port Elizabeth for three years. So that um, before I left, the ambulance attacks wasn't, it wasn't uh, something. 
to think about because you get to shift, you talk to your partner, you do your shift. You don't worry about where you go into because then you know okay, now the police is there and no one will attack you. So then I moved to Port Elizabeth, uh, got an offer there, that side, worked there for three years, and then I started hearing about ambulance attacks in Western Cape. And then that was when my perceptive changed. Mm. I was like, okay, so now we must worry about your safety also on the scene. Yeah, it's quite sad. Do you know why it's so prevalent nowadays? I'm not too sure because um, with all the attacks, it's just your personal belongings. So it's cell phones, your money. So I maybe think it's poverty. Mm. that pushes them there and they also know uh, we like a soft target we don't have anything to protect ourselves against okay so they don't take the equipment they don't take the ambulance itself they don't take there was a case where a ambulance was treated uh, treating a patient and they got outside all the equipment was gone okay so that was one case I remember still yeah yeah so it's quite sad and then Obviously, the, uh, that's why there's a sh- shortage now of paramedics yeah, yeah. actually going overseas. So most of the paramedics, um, when they finish the degree or diploma, they work in South Africa for experience and they go abroad. So mainly um, because there's better opportunities outside, you get offered more money and also the environment you work in, it's safer, I would say. So why do you, why do you do this, Red One? Do you, do you still think back and wanting to do IT now? Or nah, nah. I find that I'm this, actually, this is your calling. This is my calling. Yeah, like for myself, I would say when I put in my uniform, it's not like work. Okay. I go there. I can spend twenty four hours there, uh, treating patients. So I believe that. I think that's. Um, I just uh, like helping patients, people. helping people. That discipline and that um, uh, that dedication, I could see if the lessons that the red one was a volunteer at at the conference, yeah. accidental Muslim conference in Cape Town two months ago, and the way that I could see the, your your work ethic, the way you volunteered, you volunteered a full day. Yeah, you know, you didn't sit down. You know, at times you did, mm. but you you really were uh, fully. Dedicated volunteer. I believe it's like once you tell the person you want to work or want to volunteer, you give it your all. Oh. Don't give fifty percent of course because you're volunteering now and you're not getting a salary. Yeah, so I appreciate that you can. A fun man. <laughs> what is your definition of success? If you say like someone is successful, what does it mean mm. to you? Have you ever thought about that? Actually, I have. Yeah, like for myself. Family time. Having family time, that's number one. You can have all the money in the world. And then, like certain people will look at, if you have a big house, you have a fancy car, you're successful. But then you can have your normal car, normal small house, have family around you, friends, that's uh, they always with you. When you need, you can always call the friend and whatever. I believe that is uh, my definition. Your, so that's your definition of success. I just want to go back. I remember you mentioned to me earlier that 
the eminence is soft target because yeah. they're not allowed to they're not allowed to obviously have weapons on them yeah we're not allowed to, um, to wear to have any pepper spray or a taser okay like so obviously the criminals uh, the robbers they know that yeah they 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 know that mm. so it's easy to to easy for them to attack and normally uh, what happened before there was always two females also so they changed that we it's a male and a female together okay so the, there was cases of rape uh, cases also in Durban and in other provinces where they actually phone out the ambulance for a medical emergency ambulance gets there and then they will guide the patient or the paramedic inside and then they would just do whatever they want to do Thanks. You spoke about zones. How does the zones work? Green zone, red zone? Yeah, the red zones, you get your green, orange and red zones. So your red zones is normally um, the areas where you have to go to the police station. So you have to wait for police escort. You're not allowed to go in there on your own. That's also, that's where majority of the ambulance attacks happen. That's when they uh, define it as a red zone. So that also could potentially mean that if the ambulance can't go into a red zone without the police, and that's hence the delay of going, getting to to the, the patient. That's correct, because the police officers, um, they also have their work. They also have uh, lots of work on their hands. So an ambulance stopping there, and there's uh, maybe a robbery happening. Where are they going to? Prioritize. Yes. They first gonna do their work, and then see to us. So it's quite tough. Yeah. So sometimes you just want to go in there and save them, and because then it's like, say, a eight-year-old mm. patient or four-year-old kitty that needs help, and you can give the help, but you are, like, bound. You must just stay there, wait for police, yeah. and then. So I see you took you did some research. Maybe you can tell us about maybe just maybe a couple of couple of points. Yeah, no, I just want to mention the the red zones um, in Western Cape or in Cape Town. It's Brown Farms. That's one of the Tafelsig, Hayden Park, Nyanga, Kukuletu, New Cross, uh, Manenburg, Hanover Park, Kalksienfontein, uh, Site C in Kailicha. And then Beacon Valley, Rocklands, and then Mumfalini became a red zone um, last week when there was another ambulance attack. attack at the uh, it was the afternoon side, mm. and then Chicago in Paul, and then Haiderfell. So that's all your red zones um, sure. currently. It's like almost majority, <laughs> majority of, the, of the Cape. Yeah, and then also the I've. Did some research. The attacks normally happen between 8 p.m. and 3 and 3 a.m. on weekends. Probably due to on weekdays the roads are busy. Mm. Weekends between that times, quiet. That's very quiet. Yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, obviously, we don't have, what are the solutions and what what is what are the what is the government doing? Do you know? Do you know anything about? Um, the government had a meeting. Um, they want to put in um, what's this class? Uh, the anti hijacking, okay. anti hijacking class and tracking uh, yes. services. But I believe 
that's not going to stop them. There should be a more practical, maybe bring in um, the army, um, mm. have them escorting because the, then the load would be off the police or get a private security um, to come the ambulance to come to, mm. and then also all the neighborhood watches yes. in the area. So then if there's four or five vehicles going in with the ambulance, the guys would think twice of attacking yeah. the ambulance. And then we also ask the communities, when they phone the ambulance, they should be ready. Because most of the time, the delay is also with the patients, where they still get their documents, they still get this. Mm. And then we spend 30 minutes to an hour on a scene, where we could maybe spend 10 minutes on a scene, because in the ambulance, everything is there. So the patient can be treated in a route to hospital. So are you talking about private now, right? So for example... Private and, and, and government. government. So even government, you have to go do the paperwork. Yeah. Shakes. You do paperwork. After they just take you and put you in the ambulance. Oh, no, no, no. So you, you, you first get in. So you come to the patient. You They ask you, why did you phone the ambulance? So first, like I always say, as you go to the doctor... Exactly. Uh, and then do your vital signs and then according to your vital signs they'll score you so they'll see okay if we need to put up a drip we need to give medication so that all happens in the ambulance so it's like a tri- like the triage in the, they have in the hospital you know, yeah, the whole the, yeah the whole triage so system so you guys also have your own triage we also have our own triage system that works with the hospital oh. so then your green patients that would go to your day hospitals and then anything from orange and above would go straight to your tertiary hospitals, which is Tigerberg, Grotesque, Mitchell's Plain, Kailicha hospitals, all your big district mm-hmm. hospitals. Yeah, we do deliveries also in the ambulance. So what, what, do, you, what do you mean by deliveries? Um, like delivering people? Delivering um, babies. Oh, oh yes, okay, <laughs> sure. Is there anything else that you want me, that you want the listeners out there to understand? The reason for delays also. On the government side, I would say they have much more work than on the private side. So if you phone the government ambulance for something like a headache or toothache, obviously they will prioritize the calls. So if you phone 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, but there's accidents, there's patient that's having heart attacks or babies that need to be transferred, so that will be obviously prioritized more. So then your call just falls back when there's an ambulance available. That's where the delay comes in. So the people may think, no, the ambulance is just doing whatever. Mm. Ridwan, um, I want to thank you. And we, we also want to do Facebook Live, so I'm going to cut this short. Uh, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Have fun, man. Um, last, for, for you guys. No, definitely. My last question is, and I always ask this question, probably no. Today's your last day, you're going to die. Um, but you only have enough energy to say a few words. What would you tell your loved ones? That I love them. Yeah. Shukran. Uh, Afwan. Appreciate it. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Wa barakatuh. So that's it for today's show. We hope you added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, 
feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum. Proudly Muslim South Africa is an organization that aims to address the negative stigma associated with Muslims by highlighting the amazing humanitarian work that's being carried out by Muslims in South Africa. For more information, go to www.muslimsofsa.co.za. I'm looking for the day I'll see you.